Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. We are in the middle of a legacy series because we have declared this year to be the year of legacy. You guessed right. That was beautiful. And when we talk about legacy, we are saying that we are going to live the legacy that we want to leave. We're going to live the legacy that we want to leave. And so we're going to be reading out of a passage of Hebrews that is one of my all-time favorites. If you're kind of new to the book of Hebrews, um, let me just give you a little bit of context. So the Bible, what we call the Bible, is actually a handy-dandy collection of 66 books. And we put them together in one so it's easy to carry around, but it's actually 66 books. And they're made up of um, a certain number of books, 39 books that are in what's called the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And then 27 books that are in the what we would call like the Christian Bible, which is the New Covenant. Okay, it's all the Bible. We believe it's all the word of God. We believe that it's all inspired revelation so that we can know God better and learn how to follow him better. But it's important that you know that because each of them were written kind of differently, um, different authors, different time period. And so when we study the word of God and we talk about one of the books of the Bible, that's what we're talking about. That cleared it up for somebody. Somebody else was like, that was a review. But some of you were like, I've never asked that question. I'm glad you said that. So the book of Hebrews is an interesting book. We, I actually have a friend who... Um, uh, he was in our youth group, which makes me old, but he was in our youth group, and now he is now a doctor, and um, that's great. And he is a New Testament scholar, and one of the areas of study for him is the book of Hebrews. And he specializes in that, and what he told me is that the book of Hebrews, scholars believe, is a transcribed sermon. That it's a sermon that someone wanted all the different churches that would read it to get. So that they could, they could all kind of have the same, you know what I'm saying? This is like podcast before podcast. So it's like this transcribed sermon. And when you read it, being of the Pentecostal persuasion, I'm like, oh, I get you. This is a Pentecostal sermon. Because it rises and it falls. And that's not the scholarly view. That was the destiny view. And it rises and it falls and it goes high and it goes low and it has runs and it goes through like five different people. And you can see the place where everybody stood up and clapped and said, my, my right? And so it's, it's this beautiful, beautiful sermon. And it's a really important book, as all the books are, but it's a very important book for understanding how the early church was thinking about how do we actually do this thing of following Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's still the big question. How do we actually do this thing of following Jesus? How do we follow God in the flesh. God that cared so much about the material world and cared so much about us, right? Humanity, that he came and he died and he gave us a chance to know him. How do we, how do we follow a God that, that said, love everyone? It's a lot of humans. 
right? Who, who when asked, who is my neighbor, when, when the, 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 the scriptures said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And, 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 and <laughs> he was asked, who is my neighbor? He responded with how to be a neighbor. How do we follow a God who was willing to lay his life down? How do we follow a God who wasn't afraid of power, but also didn't hate those who were in power? How do we follow a God that was willing to speak to everyone in every situation and give them a way to follow him, even if their situation never changed? How do we follow that kind of Jesus? And so that's where we find ourselves right now. If we're honest, if we're trying to follow Jesus, that's where we find ourselves. How do I do that, though? Right? Because we, we hear that, but then the question is, when we walk out of here, how do I do that? How do I do that in the context of my marriage? How do I do that in the context of my singleness? How do I do that in the context of my job? How do I do that in the context of my school? How do I do that in the context of my business? How do I do that in the context of my friendships? How do I do that? And so the book of Hebrews is amazing, and Hebrews 11 is one of my absolute favorite, favorite passages because if you want to learn how to leave a legacy, look at people who've left a legacy, right? And so the book of Hebrews chapter 11 starts talking to us about the people that left a legacy that was big enough that it was important to God to preserve their names for us in history, okay? And so we, we start with verse 1. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then it goes through and it starts telling us about the ancients. And it tells us about Abel. And it tells us about Enoch. And it tells us, you can read this later, about Noah. You're allowed to read your Bible at home. It tells us about Abraham. It tells us about Sarah. It tells us about these ancient ones. And, and it says in the middle of there, this statement, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, I think that there's an alarm going off. Should we go try to find what it is? That would, that would be kind of fun. I think it's a phone. Here, I'm going to give it to someone because it might turn again. Next time you can just answer it and say they should be at church. Okay. All right. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is really interesting to me because this is kind of going after two of the big arguments against God, right? Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that he exists. We do not pray as a nice substitute for meditation, which I'm not saying meditation is a bad thing because the Bible says to meditate on the words of God. So I'm not giving that to anyone else. No one gets it. It's in our Bible. But it's not a substitute for that. We don't pray just because saying the words make us feel better. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, that's not why we pray. We, we come to God. Anyone, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists, that he exists, not that his principles exist. 
And not that if you follow those principles that you can have a pretty good life. Not that his community exists, but that he actually factually exists. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So in other words, not only do do we have to believe that he exists, which denies the, the concept of kind of like atheism, that there is no God, right? But we have to believe that he, he actually would reward those who would diligently seek him, which gets rid of deism, which is the concept that there is a God, but he's unknowable. Does that make sense? So we look at that and we go, that's the only way to please God. That's in the middle of all of these heroes. And we get down and we get through all of the different heroes. And then it says this statement, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do you want to know what my prayer was like? my whole childhood, because I grew up in this thing called church. Um, My dad was an evangelist, and we did 300 dates a year. That's a lot of dates, right? I was in church more than I was not in church. I loved church. There was never a part of me that resented church, not even a little bit, maybe because my parents also really loved church. Just a little thought for you. Anyway, so I loved church, and I can remember when I was a a little girl, I had an encounter with Jesus that was real and transformative. And from that point on, seven, eight years old, my prayer began to be, Lord, please let me live a life that pleases you. Let me live a life that pleases you. Because even at a young age, I understood that there was nothing more important in life than pleasing God. Do you you hear what I'm saying? And sometimes we can live, can we be real? Like the most important thing in life is God pleasing us. Right? I mean, can we just be honest? I've been there. But we can't please God without faith. And here we see these people who left a legacy. And and, and the first part of that, that, that scripture that we're going to go through, it says they all died, right? They were still living by faith when they died. All these people were still living by, so all these people were still living with the belief that God exists and rewards those who earnestly seek him when they died. All these people were still living with confidence in hope, sure of the unseen when they died died. But there's an important part of legacy that we can sometimes miss. And it's the part where they said they all died. Because if you want to leave a legacy, you have to leave. Right? And whether we want to admit it or not, no no matter how much, you know, skin cream we buy and fancy cars, right? And all the things, no matter how much Netflix we binge to distract us, there is a fact that exists for all of us. We are all on our way to leaving this earth. 
Welcome to church. All right. We are. Okay, okay. That's a little heavy. Let's step back for a second. We're on, on our way of leaving something right now. We're, we're, we're in the middle of leaving our time at our school, at our current job, in our current career. We're, we're, we're on the way out of this season of friendship. Because if you don't know, friendship seasons evolve. Your friendships, right? Like, it's quite interesting. Your friendships don't look the way that they did when you were a teenager or in your 20s or in your 30s or in your 40s, right? 50s. You could keep going. It keeps evolving. You're, and so we can get, I, and I think, I'm, this is a total destiny thing. I think that the reason we have such a hard time living in the reality that everything's going to change is because we were meant to be eternal beings, right? But we live in this in-between where the only thing that stays the same is that things don't stay the same. And so we're constantly on our way leaving something. Your time here at this church is limited. Your time here possibly in this city is limited. Your time here, right? There's, the time is limited. There is a limit to that time. And that can be such a challenge for us to live and embrace. But if we really want to leave a legacy, we have to internalize that reality. My, my, my father turned 70 last year, which is not old. And the reason it's not old is because my dad is 70. No, I mean, I made the rules, right? And so it's, it's not old anymore. Um, but when he turned 70, uh, he decided, he said, I'm going to take um, 10 years worth of days, and I'm going to get that number of, like, of, like, of marbles, and I'm going to put them in a jar so that I can visualize what, what I might have left, because statistically he has less than that. Okay? Now, I, I, want, him to have, I want him to have much more than that. And maybe he will. But I don't know what tomorrow holds. But sometimes we can take the uncertainty of life and use it as an excuse not to kind of look ahead and go, oh, my. My, 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 right? I'm leaving. I'm going to leave. I'm not going to get out of life alive. That's not going to happen. Um, there's another, um, <laughs> there's an app that if you have kids, we offer you. It's called the Parent Q app. Anybody have that app? It's mean. It's rude. It's a rude app. I hate it. And um, let me tell you why I hate it. I want to just explain all the reasons I hate it. It's great. I mean, it tells you what you should be teaching your child. It gives you all kinds of help, like raising them. But this is what it also does. It gives you the exact number of weeks till they leave your house. Now, some of you who have kids who are adults and 28, you're like, no, it doesn't. But, <laughs> but till they're 18, till they're 18, till they're 18. Keep it together, people, until they're 18. No, I'm just joking. It gives you the exact number of weeks. Rude. That's rude. And you want to hear the worst part about it? It starts like when they're really little, because I have really little kids, and the color is green on the app. So it's like the number of, of weeks and the color is green. But now I have a middle schooler and the color is orange. They're moving me towards red, y'all. Rude. Just rude. Right? 
But if I'm not aware, then I'm not going to have the right attitude that I need to have because there is a context to legacy. There's a context that we are leaving. And if we know we're leaving, then we can have the attitude of what do I want to leave? And once I know what I want to leave, then I can begin to think how I want to live. But there's these excuses that pop up on the inside of us. I see it a lot. I'm an attorney by training and and also by profession. And over the last two years, I've done um, a, a decent number of like wills and successions. And the reason I started doing them is because I had a number of people in my life who died without adequate legal preparation, okay? And I was like, this is not good. I saw the chaos it created, and I said, this is something I can help with. So um, I've done them, and it's interesting to hear people's words because I've got plenty of time turns into time's too short. I don't want to think about it like that. So you'll talk to people who are in their 20s and 30s, and they're like, I don't need... I don't really need that because, you know, I'm just so young and I have plenty of time. Oh, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll put it on my list. But then you start talking to people who are not 20s and 30s, if you know what I mean. And they'll say things like, oh, I don't, I mean, that would be like giving up, wouldn't it? Think about this. It's one of the most loving things you can do for your family is write down what you want them to do with your stuff. No, I'm not joking. I'm serious, right? Anybody who's ever had to deal with somebody who didn't do that, you're like, that is one of the most loving things you could, what do you want at your funeral? Do you know how many times I've sat with families as everybody cried and tried to remember mom's favorite song? I'm serious. It's real. Why don't we plan? Because it's too painful to confront that we're leaving. And I think one of the reasons it's so hard to confront that we're leaving is that the question of heaven is not settled in our mind. I mean, can we just get real? Some of you grew up in cultures where if you made one little mistake, you weren't going. So now instead of trying to let God renew your mind according to his scriptures, embracing what is grace, learning how to follow Jesus, You just ignore it and deny it and push it to the side. Hey, listen, it's by grace that you were saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one would boast. That's what the Bible says. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to leave this earth. You don't have to be afraid. You, You can confront it with bravery. Because if you're going to leave a legacy, you're going to have to leave. Because if you're going to leave a legacy, you're going to have to leave. That's the big picture context of all of this, is that if we're going to leave a legacy, we are going to have to leave. But we all have images of like what we're going to leave. It's really interesting. Once again, it's just interesting to me because from a professional sense, when you're not somebody's pastor, but you're their lawyer, you find out stuff. It's fascinating. It's like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I'm finding out something new. And one of the things they do is they, they do an estate inventory. Some of you just got like nervous thinking about that. It's where you look at all the money and all the assets you have and put it down on paper. That's just 
daunting, right? It's like, and so many times people will make that and then they don't want to go any further in the process because they're not where they wanted to be. Do you hear me? Because they're not where they wanted to be. What I love about this passage is what it says next. It says, remember, they all died still living by faith. They, talking about these people whose legacies were so big that God preserved them for us. They did not receive the things promised. Now, for all of our Bible scholars out there, yes, they are talking about Jesus, but we're also talking about other things too. Okay. All right. That was the aside. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting there were foreigners and strangers on earth. They did not receive the things promised. But it wasn't because they didn't have faith. There's this dialogue that sometimes comes up that says, you will, God will do what you want him to do if you have enough faith. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, I want God to do this. And if he does this, it's because I had enough faith. But what about when things don't turn out the way that you thought? No, I'm serious. What, what about that? You, you, you followed God just the way that you were supposed to. You did what you did what you were supposed to do. You were standing on his promises. And things didn't turn out the way they were supposed to. You believed for that. It didn't happen the way that you thought. Hey, these people in this list are not perfect. They are messed up. No, I mean really, like they're messed up. Abraham passed his wife off as his sister twice, and she almost got married off to somebody else twice. That's messed up, y'all. You can go down the list. They, they, they were messed up. But also, they were people who had big promises made to them that they never saw. Abraham was promised that he would be the father of many nations, that his children would be like the stars of the sky. And he died having one child who he had sent away at God's command and one more child. That was it. I mean, God made that promise to him when, like, without any light pollution. Like, he could see stars in the sky. Some of you who are campers know what I'm talking about. Like, you can, like, you look out and there's, like, stars. Like, most of the time when we look at stars, like, in Bossier, it's like, star. We're talking about somebody who, I mean, they're, I mean it's, just, it's just dark as night. And, he's, and God is speaking to him as he looks at, like, the, the, the galaxy. I mean, it's just stars everywhere. And he's like, you're going to be like the stars. And he's got one kid. But, but he dies still believing 
Do you know what that takes? Commitment. It takes commitment. When things don't turn out the way that you thought they should, when you're not going to be able to leave the legacy you thought you would, you, you thought you were going to be able to leave the legacy of being married for 50 years. You got married early enough, but they made a different choice. But God, I stood on your promises. And it wasn't supposed to happen this way. What do you do? What do you do when you know you can't leave the legacy you originally wanted to leave? What do you do? I wanted to leave a legacy of having a massive business and 2020 wiped me out. What do you do? I wanted to leave a legacy of having a bunch of biological kids. I just wanted a whole house full of kids. That's not the way it turned out. I wanted to leave a legacy. Where are God's promises in my life? But they died still believing because they were still committed because they understood something about God and they understood something about the context that sometimes we can miss. It's God's faithfulness and his promises are not made liars just in our own small lives because he is an eternal God and he is a generational God and he is able to take every brokenness of life and build it into something bigger. Don't let losing the legacy you wanted to leave keep you from the legacy that you still can leave. I'm so glad that Abraham didn't say, oh, I only have one child. I'm not going to leave any kind of legacy. You lied to me. This promise hasn't happened. I should have dozens of kids in order for this to happen. No. Instead, he left a legacy of faith even being willing to give his own child in sacrifice to God, trusting him that much, saying whether I see it or I don't see it, it doesn't matter. You still exist and you reward those who seek you. See, when we become committed to who he is, then it gives us a different perspective on what he does. I'm not talking about fatalism. We want to pray. We want to cooperate with God. We know that prayer matters. We know that prayer makes a difference. But whether God does what we want him to do doesn't mean that God is or isn't good. And it doesn't mean that God is or isn't faithful. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. And I think about all of these people who died still believing, who didn't see the promise happen, but they welcomed it from afar. They welcomed it from afar. There's another translation or paraphrase that, that says it this way. They waved at it. They waved at it. Now, we in Louisiana, we wave at everything, don't we? I didn't know that that was like a cultural thing until I went to another city and I'm waving at people and they're like, do you know them? And I'm like, 
They're a human being within my purview. No, I don't know them. I'm just friendly, right? Is that true? Like Louisiana people, verify for me. Do you wave at people? Do you like what? Do you what? Do you wave at the people who like let you in? I mean, if some, if you let somebody in and they don't wave at you, do you instantly go, oh, they're definitely not from here? Do you do that? <laughs> no, you don't judge people. Okay, that's good. But I'm just saying, like we wave at people, right? We wave, we wave a lot, you know, we're wavers, but we don't wave at stuff we don't see, right? Even us, even us, even the wavers. We we don't wave at stuff we don't see. They weren't waving. They weren't greeting something they couldn't see. They could see it. Even as they died without experiencing, they could still see it because they knew that God was a generational God who would bring wholeness, who would bring healing, who would have his promises be true, right? In the generations. But also, they began to realize, wait, if I'm leaving something, then I must be going somewhere. And their commitment to God, their faith became a bigger identity, and it led them to a brilliant conclusion. And the conclusion was this, is that I am a foreigner here on earth. I'm just passing through. This is not my home. What happens here does not define me. Instead, God has called me into his story to make a difference for his people in his timeline to speak promises and speak prayers and speak dreams that are bigger than my lifetime. We just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I'm grateful for the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And I'm grateful for all of the difficulty he faced. I'm grateful for all of the things. You know, people often say that the reason why he is revered is because he is dead. That if he was alive today, he would still be challenged. And you know what? I think they're right. But I'll tell you what I'm so grateful for is the legacy he left because he dreamed dreams that were bigger than his lifetime. Will we, will we, will we believe God for things that are bigger than our lifetime? Will we set foundations that are bigger than our lifetime? If we're going to do that, then it's going to take commitment. Because things will, hey, this is what we have to know. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, this too shall pass. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, this too shall pass. We are leaving a season at this moment. And maybe it's been a season of disappointment. Maybe it's been a season where things haven't turned out the way that you wanted it to. But this is what I totally believe is that if we will take after the people in Hebrews 11 and we will choose to stay committed and we will keep the context of all of this legacy stuff clear, then we will be able to leave the legacy we can leave even if we can't leave the legacy we originally wanted. Don't miss out. Don't miss out 
on the life God wants you to live today so that you can leave the legacy that he wants you to leave tomorrow. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I lived with a lady. um, Her name was Mildred. She was a hoot. Y'all are the 1115, so I tell y'all stuff that I probably shouldn't tell you. But she was a hoot. This lady was 81 when I moved in with her. And, um, and she was on a oxygen machine. And um, Mildred was a trip, but she had a vice. And her vice was she liked the penny slots. And Mildred, um, Mildred had a very a set amount of money. She was very, very disciplined. But she liked the penny slots, but she knew I was a uh, pastor's daughter. So she, she, like, didn't talk about the penny slots because I was in the house, okay? So one night I come home, and it's 10 o'clock, and Mildred's missing. And I'm like, we've lost Mildred, y'all. I'm like, I'm going to have to tell her it's sister. I'm going to have to tell her her daughter. This is not good. Like, I'm staying with her. Like, I have lost Mildred. So I'm sitting up in the chair trying to decide at what time you call the cops on your 81-year-old roommate, right? Like, at what time? What do we do? And in rolls Mildred at 11.15 with one of her older friends, (laughs) And I'm sitting in the living room like I am a dad waiting on a teenage daughter after a date. I'm flipping on the light. Where were you? Where have you been? And she starts dying laughing. She had driven to another state to go to the pity slots with her older friend. This lady was crazy. I mean, she was absolutely nuts. She was so much fun. And she didn't even share her winnings. But anyway, that was Mildred. Mildred was a hoot. Can I just tell you a little bit about Mildred just real quick and the legacy she left me? I moved in with Mildred when I was 27 years old. It was for two summers in a row. And I learned her story. See, Mildred had been a legal secretary till she was 60 years old. Her husband was kind of poorly, and she was the main breadwinner at that point in her life. And um, her lawyer died. Well, back then... And in her complete her context, she, she really couldn't get another job. I don't know why, but she had a hard time getting another job. And she was going, what am I going to do? I'm 60. My career is over. I've been a legal secretary my whole life. I didn't graduate college. I didn't go to college. I took like a typing course. You know she's old. She took a typing course, right? And, and it's like she's 60. And her life falls out from underneath her. I mean, she had thought, you know, 10 more years, I'll just kind of retire into obscurity. That'll just be the way it is. Life falls to boom, right? What am I going to do? But Mildred left a legacy for me because of what she did next. See, Mildred didn't quit. She took what she had and she started a little business, helping people who couldn't get into rentals, get into rentals. Helping people who couldn't get mortgages, get mortgages. Helping people who'd never had insurance, get insurance. She leveraged what she knew from working for 40 years as a legal assistant to help people. And it's crazy what happens when you help people because you end up helping yourself. 
When I moved in with Mildred, she was employing most of her extended family in three different businesses. And it helped literally hundreds upon hundreds of people be able to secure housing for themselves. Yeah, she was worth a pretty little penny when she passed away. But that has nothing to do with the legacy that she left me. Mildred left me the legacy of understanding that it's never too late to leave a legacy, that it's never too late if you just don't give up. The last time I talked to her, she was 88, shortly before she passed away. She was still dreaming. She was still taking care of people. She was still loving big. She was still thinking of ways that she could make her community better. Well, Destiny, that story is about money. No, that story is about legacy. Because what do you do when the promise doesn't feel like it was kept? What do you do when life didn't turn out the way that you thought it should? What do you do when you did that thing for God? You did what he called you to do, and now you're facing what you never thought that you would face. What do you do? do. We have to choose in that moment, in the spirit, to wave at things that we will never see. To wave at a heritage that we aren't sure is going to happen. To wave at a future that we don't know. And to go, you know what, God? I know one thing. I have faith. I have faith in you. I have faith that you exist. And if you exist and you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's all I need to know because I believe that I am not a simple native here. I am a foreigner in this land and I am on my way to my real home. And in the in between, I will value what you value. I will say what you say is most important is most important to me. And I will leave a legacy every single day, not the legacy that I wish I could have lived, but the legacy that I can. The legacy I can. None of us are going to get out of here alive. But death isn't failure. And it's not God failing us. It's just the leaving part of legacy. the leaving part and when we settle in our heart that we're leaving when we confront heaven and we go Jesus paid a price for me to go there and I can I can because he paid a price for me to go there I can go there then we can work on living the legacy unashamed and unafraid unashamed and unafraid and when things don't go the way we thought when it feels like the promise hasn't been kept we can say with confidence I haven't seen the end of the story because the story doesn't end with my life I love that Mildred's story didn't end with her life her legacy still lives in 
and that by hearing her story, her legacy lives in you. Are we willing to stay committed? Even when it hasn't turned out the way we wanted. You stand with me all over this place. I want to read you something out of Isaiah because I think that it just fits so beautifully with this. It's Isaiah 40. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. If he's everlasting, he's on a different timetable, guys. He's the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who hope in the Lord. Those who hope in the Lord. Where is your hope today? Is your hope in society? Is your hope in politics? Is your hope in your own ability? Is your hope in all those rules that you think are never broken? Where's your hope today? Because when we hope in the Lord, then our strength's renewed, right? Then our strength's renewed. Why is it renewed? Because we get a different perspective. We get a different perspective. We can see more, even though we're just walking here. It's kind of like when you get GPS, right? You suddenly have an overview that you wouldn't have had, an overview of your journey that gives you strength because you know just as it had a beginning, it's going to have an ending. One day you're going to stand before God. And this is what I hope for all of you and all of us is that when we do, that this will be true of us. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. That's what I pray for all of us. Not that we would live in fear of that, but that that would be our aspiration. Lord, let me live in such a way that I die still believing, still waving at things that I'll never see, still believing your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, I know that you didn't design people to live divided, that you didn't design us to live hating each other, that you didn't design us to judge people according to 
their physical characteristics. So Father, I haven't seen it yet. The promise hasn't happened yet. But Father, I wave at a world that's free of racism. I wave at that, at a city that's free, that's free from this abomination that goes against your heart. God, I, I know that we've made great progress in the 2,000 years since you came. But Father, there's still too many people who die of hunger around the world. And you said that, that part of our core responsibility was to feed those who were hungry, to give water to those who were thirsty, to clothe those who didn't have clothes. And so Father, I'll do my part while I'm here on earth to leave that legacy but I'm gonna wave at a world where there is less poverty, where there are less children dying because they don't have enough food, where there are less people drinking polluted water. And Father, I wanna be a part of that because it's your will. I wanna see every knee bow and every tongue confess that you are the Lord. I don't see it right now but I will die still believing that that will be the reality that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the people in this room. Every head bowed and every eye closed. So many of them walked through difficult things. Lord, I just pray that they would be inspired today to live a life of legacy, to truly live the legacy that they want to leave, to confront that they're going to leave. Father, I pray for those who don't know you in this moment, that they would just reach out to you and say, Father, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to follow you. God, I know you'll be faithful to teach them what that means every day. Lord, for those who've honestly feel disappointed that the way things turned out wasn't supposed to be this way. wasn't supposed to be this way. It was supposed to be different. God, I pray that you would meet them in the midst of their disappointment. And that they would know your love. And that there's still a legacy for them to leave. That there's still a legacy for them to leave. That things aren't over this isn't second best. This isn't second best. God, touch the people in this room. Help all of our hearts be open to you like never before. Let us be people who live in such a way, not perfect, with faith, with context and commitment. So that you will say like you did of the ancients, I'm not ashamed to be their God. 
for I have prepared a city for them. God, let that perspective give us courage in the midst of our current battle and peace when we don't see all the pieces coming together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.